UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan, and we have a special guest this week, Brad Muckenthaler from Maize and Blue Nation. Welcome, Brad. Hey, Phil, how's it going? Things are going great. Uh, Brad is one of my favorite people in the new media wing of the Michigan Press Box. I uh, want to let everybody know to check out his Sato feature every week prior to games. Uh, it's, it's one of the things I check, one of the things I really enjoy. So, Brad, I, I first of all, thank you for joining us on the podcast. And, uh, you know, we have some great conversations in the press box. And, you know, you're, you're a fan much as I am. You know, you're doing this more for love than for anything else. And uh, you've been a great addition to the, to the Michigan blogging community. And one of the things I wanted to talk about is, um, you had a great article or a great blog posting called "The Fall," where I, I think you you shared some of your frustration your frustrations with where we are in year five of the of the Harbaugh era, and uh, I just wondered if if you could just you know share your thoughts if as you reflect on what you said in the article. Sure. Yeah, no problem. And, uh, you know, thanks again, obviously, for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for uh, a nice introduction there. Um, so, yeah, that article was, uh, it kind of started, you know, I started writing that after, right after the Wisconsin game. Um, sort of manifested in my brain, you know, a little bit before the game, you know, after the first couple games of the season when things weren't necessarily going um as well as I think a lot of people had hoped they were or hoped that they were going to. Um, so, you know, once the Wisconsin kind of came and went, um, I started, you know, kind of piecing together some of these thoughts that I had in my head, just, you know, about things that I was seeing on the field. And, you know, a lot of the things that you hear and that you read from other writers and things like that. And, uh, you know, that article, I don't think I actually posted it until probably five or six days after the Wisconsin game, but uh, I kind of worked on it, you know, sort of all that week. I didn't want to like, you know, I, I wanted to give myself a little bit of time to kind of relax and calm down from the Wisconsin game. I didn't want it to be sort of a reactionary type article where it was like, okay, here's everything that went wrong in this game. Let's just, you know, get it all out there. You know, it was kind of more, here's how I just kind of see things and how I sense sort of the direction things are sort of going. Um, at least in terms of a fan's perspective and, and the fans, um, you know, certain expectations um, and certain expectations that I think fans should have maybe going forward, um, at least until sort of the status quo kind of changes. But, um, you know, I didn't want it to be like this kind of a hit piece or anything like that or anything that was like a skating review. It's just sort of like, kind of where I see things, you know, kind of trending and where I see them now, not that, you know, obviously things can't improve or get better in the future. I obviously think they can. And I do think that Michigan has a lot of, of uh, good pieces and a lot of good players and good coaches and a lot of things going for them. Um, it just seems like for whatever reason, and I can't even really explain it, but for some reason things just haven't quite gotten there yet. It's just, uh, yeah, I will say definitely it's frustrating. And um, and I do sort of write from a fan's perspective, even though I'm technically media, but I I do feel kind of like I watch the games as a fan. I react to the games as a fan. I I, I am a fan, first and foremost. Um, 
So I think that was kind of what sort of drove that article and what I was kind of thinking, you know, when it was like, you know, here's here's just kind of my take on on the situation. I had read a lot of other people's articles, both national writers and local bloggers and local, you know, um, news people and, you know, sort of the reactions from after the Wisconsin game. And I thought, well, I think now's a, a good time to sort of put something out there. So that was that was kind of the thinking at the time. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, what I find um, when I view the online coverage of Michigan from the blogs and, and even from the media is it's very polarized. It's mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh's a disaster. Why, you know, he needs to be fired or everything is fine. Why do you guys have any concerns? And, and I think the, the thing that I really liked about your article is, you know, and, and I know this from talking to you, you know, I know you love Michigan. I know you hope that Jim Harbaugh is successful, but mm-hmm. it, it really resonated with me as, you know, you can have doubts and you can have concerns. You know, it, it's not an article of faith that you have to blindly say that everything is great because because everything isn't. And, you know, I, I know one of the things that, you know, I, I've been concerned about is, you know, every year, you know, you know, two years in a row and or every other year in a normal cadence, I head down to Columbus hoping that I'm going to see a win, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we all had great hopes last year. You know, this was the year that we were finally going to beat Ohio State and, and not just beat them, you know, possibly put a beating on them. And you go down there and you just have, you know, the same sinking feeling as the game goes on. And, you know, what I liked about the article is, you know, like you said, you, listen, you love Michigan, you're pulling for them, but you can definitely see that everything isn't as we would hope it hope it to be, right? Um, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was kind of the whole thing was like, you know, like I said, it wasn't meant to be sort of anything that was like a, an indictment on Jim Harbaugh specifically or like a hit piece saying, you know, he needs to be fired or anything like that. I mean, of course, you know, but at the same time you do sort of kind of a a perspective that you know okay you can be a fan of the coaching staff you can be a fan of the players that we have and still understand that things may just not be working um you know and, and maybe they will work maybe we could possibly get there michigan could possibly get there um who knows i it's so hard to tell right now because it's just like it, you know, and who knows? I I shouldn't say they won't get there. I mean, you look at just this last game against Iowa, the defense, I will say, has made huge strides since the Wisconsin game. Um, and, and, you know, hats off to the defensive staff, Don Brown. He's got those guys playing at a level um, that I, I honestly could not see possible two weeks ago. And then, you know, but you just didn't see that with the offensive side. So, and I understand offense maybe takes a little bit longer to come around. There's a lot of nuance with offense. Uh, defense can be a little bit quicker to adjust. But, um, you know, so when I was writing that article, it wasn't like, oh, you know, Michigan is doomed. we got to fire everybody. But at the same time, it's like sort of have, taking kind of a pragmatic, realistic approach to what we're seeing on the field and saying, Hey, look, you know, I'm a fan of Jim Harbaugh and I think he's a great coach, but it just might not work here. It might not happen. I don't know. 
I mean, let's let's be honest about what the expectation should be. And then, uh, you know, like you said, last year against Ohio State, I mean, huge expectations to go down there. And I was down there with you, and I mean, yeah, it was it was a three or three and a half hours of just being miserable. I mean, just sitting there and just watching this uh, season completely fall apart. It was unbelievable to watch. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of the state of things and and where Michigan is at. Kind of haven't really rebounded from that game yet, I don't feel like, at least on the offensive side. Well, Brad, I have been going down to see Michigan play Ohio State and cover the game since the Rich Rod era, which means I have never seen Michigan win down in Columbus. And I'll tell you, this is how bad it is. You know, I hear these horror stories about how people are mistreated in Columbus. I've been treated great. You know, mm-hmm. I've had Ohio State people say, hey, don't worry, it's going to get better. I mean, I, I, I <laughs> right. get more sympathy when I go down there. And and it's kind of sad. It's sad that, you know, I hear the stories of when the rivalry was bitter and the wins were, were you know, being traded back and forth. And right now, I mean, listen, I, I know people go down there and have bad experiences. I, I'm not denying it. Listen, let's be honest. There are fans who come to Michigan Stadium and have a bad experience. But the, totally. reali- yep. but the reality is, is when I go down there, um, it, it's more pity than anything. And it's... Yeah, I think, you know, and obviously, I think, uh, and I've been going down there now, I think I've gone to the last four uh, games, Michigan games down there. And, uh, and, yeah, same thing. I haven't really had a bad experience. Now, granted, I'm not decked out, you know, head to toe in Michigan gear. I'm usually dressed very neutral and that's kind of the way that uh, I go down there, you know, preparing to make sure that I'm not going to get in anybody's way. But um, I I honestly, you know, I do walk around. I always get down there really early when I go and I walk around the stadium. uh, I do see Michigan fans there. I see Ohio State fans there, obviously. Um, And everybody does seem to be getting along. It doesn't really seem to be a a toxic atmosphere. I I know for many years it was, and I know people who have gone down there and had some issues. But uh, Michigan fans have gone down there and had issues. So, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think if you're an Ohio State fan, uh, you're probably asking yourself, "What's wrong with Michigan? I mean, what is going on?" Um, you know, and you, if I'm an Ohio State fan, at least I want a Michigan team that's going to be a little bit, you know, um, you know what it, what I mean, like uh, just a better rival. Um, in, in for them, Michigan really is their only rival, so uh, it's kind of a big deal. And granted, they've done well despite Michigan's struggles. But uh, yeah, I think if you're an Ohio State fan, you would like that game to have a little bit more meaning. Um, and I think they thought that it was going to last year, and it ended up being just more of the same. So yeah, it's it's a really interesting and, and obviously for Michigan fans, a very frustrating experience if you do go down. Uh, to Columbus for those games, uh, not many of them do. But uh, yeah, I agree. It hasn't it hasn't been that bad of an experience, uh, at least from what I've seen. So, Brad, when we go down, you know, me and and my team, right? We go down the night before. We stay in Polaris, Ohio, which is just a few miles away from the stadium. We mm-hmm. are decked at, decked out in our maize and blue. We go out to eat for dinner the night before. All of us. And, and it's hilarious because, you know, when we first started going down, I remember checking into the hotel and the, the clerk was like, uh, 
do you, are you going to be okay? Do you know where you are? You know, kind of a, you know, I think they were more worried about it than I was. And right. and now we go out and people are like, hey, I mean, I've had Ohio State people tell me good luck and not in a, yeah. not in a snarky way, but in a, you know, because I think, you know, as much as we, uh, you know, prefer Michigan, I've always viewed Michigan as kind of, and Ohio State has kind of been the flip side of a coin, right? You know, a yang and mm-hmm. a yang. And a lot of the older Ohio State fans remember the Cooper years when it was yeah. reversed. So I think that the better fans know that, you know, they've, they've have experienced a drought like this and know that it's not fun. And, you know, I'll tell you, the only grief I got last year is uh, my wife and I went to a, one of the malls after the game to grab some dinner. And I was in the restroom of all places in this little Ohio state kid in a red Jersey, uh, you know, started to mouth off to me, you know, he had to be uh-huh. about eight or nine years old and his dad smacked him up the head and said, Hey, it goes both ways, son. And it was just funny. It was like, great. You know, I even have Ohio state people, you know, telling their kids to cut me a break. So, so, <laughs> so I think, um, you know, and let's let's go back in time a little bit. I think what surprises me is what we knew in air quotes, right? What we thought mm-hmm. we were going to get when Jim Harbaugh came in. Um, and, and and I'll just say, if you had to, if you had said, okay, Phil, predict five years in the future, what five year five of a Jim Harbaugh regime would look like, I would have guessed we would have had a rolling offense, right? Mm-hmm. And defense would be the one lagging. You know, I, I really thought that, that we were going to be quarterback you, that, you know, quarterbacks would be, you know, coming out of the woodwork to come work with Jim Harbaugh and, you know, the quarterback whisperer. And to know that in year five we're clinging to our defense it is somewhat of a surprise to me. So what, do you, what have you been surprised about specifically on the offensive side of the ball over these five years? Yeah, I think the thing that probably the most surprised about is just the total lack of real identity on offense. Um, like you said, you know, when, when he was hired and, and brought in here, I think Michigan fans, you know, they, they kind of remembered what it was like to watch Stanford and Harbaugh was there. And obviously, you know, what he did in the NFL was impressive, but some of that doesn't really translate to the college game. So I think a lot of people were expecting sort of that dynamic run-first type offense that he had at Stanford that was sort of like a very physical up front. You were going to dominate the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, Michigan offensive linemen were going to become, you know, the the most sought-after, you know, draft picks, uh, things like that. Um, yeah, I think, you know, obviously that was at least my expectation is, you know, I went back, I remember when we got hired and, going back and watching old Stanford games and watching YouTube highlights. And I was like, Holy cow. I mean, this is, this is exactly what Michigan needs. I mean, this is what we've been lacking. It's what we didn't really have during Rich Rod and, and Brady Oaks, uh, tenures. And, you know, it was exciting at the time to think, okay, this is, we're going to have this sort of offense. We're going to be able to roll like this and to, to kind of completely not be able to do that at all. I mean, I know we've had some good years, and, and like last year was a pretty good year with, uh, you know, a pretty good rushing attack. But um, you know, it, it never really got to that level where it became Michigan is a good 
offensive team, a good running team that dominates the line of scrimmage. Um, that's really never sort of been sort of Michigan's MO under Harbaugh. It's, it's kind of, you know, they've been sort of lacking in terms of finding that identity. They haven't really got the quarterback to sort of be that system quarterback that they need. Um, and, you know, obviously the trends of college football, you do have to adapt. I mean, what, what worked when he was at Stanford might not work now. Um, so you do have to obviously take that for what it's worth. But, um, you know, I, I think it's really interesting that we sit here in year five of Jim Harbaugh and you think, okay, who, who's been his best quarterback while he's been in Michigan? And honestly, I think you would have to say his best quarterback was Jake Rudock. And that was in year one. And so it's so interesting to me that, you know, here we are four or five years later, and we really haven't been able to, um, you know, find that kind of leadership quarterback and the fact that, you know, that is the one thing maybe that's really the most frustrating is really interesting because I think if you asked anybody five years ago, um, what would be sort of one of the weaknesses of Michigan's offense I think quarterback would have been one of the last, um, you know, last things people, most people would have said. So um, I think that's been my most surprising thing. And then, yeah, I think just the lack of general identity and, and being able to be the most physical team up front. Um, and, and I will say in most games they are, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. It's, it's not like the old days of, of Rich Rod. I mean, they are, they have been a good team. And they do win a lot of games. And this is like I said in, in the article I wrote, you know, being a 10-win team is great. It is a good thing, and it's not something that should be diminished or taken for granted. But, you know, you line up against, you know, Notre Dame last year, you know, Ohio State every year. <laughs> um, you know, those games that are sort of the get the you know, the, the games that you shouldn't necessarily or people don't expect you to win, um, Michigan doesn't really seem to show up and, and play well in games like that. Um, and I think that's sort of been, you know, my, my biggest thing with Jim Harbaugh is he, he hasn't yet at Michigan won a game that he shouldn't have won. And I think for me at least that's kind of been, uh, you know, the thing that stands out the most to me. Um, and whether that's the Ohio State game or, you know, game against Michigan State, whatever it is, um, you know, that's just kind of how I see it. Um, and that's been, yeah, I would say by at this point in five years later um, that we're saying that, I think that's a, a very telling thing. So what surprises me is, so here we are year five and, we can agree that Shea has struggled so far this season. I think part of that is that, you know, the system is, is changing underneath his feet right on the fly. So I'm willing to cut him a little bit of a break. But in year five, this is the first time that I feel we're three deep and strong at the quarterback position. And that's why I prefaced with let's give Shea a little bit of a break, right? But for me, okay, so Shea came in as a transfer. Dylan and Joe Milton are the first, you know, two deep at the quarterback position that Harbaugh has been able to recruit organically 
that I feel are really, really good. So I think that's what surprises me is I really expected to be in this position in year two or three, right? And so mm-hmm. so it's that kind of the reliance on transfers, the lack of depth at quarterback, that, that's that's what surprises me. Now, um, so, so let me ask you a question, Brad. Obviously, um, when Jim Harbaugh came in here, I think he expected to have more success. I don't think anybody is more disappointed uh, than he is. I mean, and, and he understands that, you know, the, the mark here, you know, that you're, that you're judged on big 10 championships, national championships and, and beating Ohio state. Do you feel that he's still in it for the long term? Do you feel that, uh, that, you know, do you sense that he's frustrated and maybe looking elsewhere? Or do you think that he's going to keep uh, tinkering and changing and until he, until he gets it right here? What are your thoughts? Well, that's a really, that's an interesting question. And I think that's a really tough one to answer right now. Um, and, I, and, you know, it's tough to answer because, I think Jim Harbaugh is kind of a tough guy to read right now. Um, and just in terms of, you know, the ways that he approaches, um, you know, talking to the media, answering questions after games, um, you know, just yesterday, I mean, he, somebody asked, I think it was Angelique from the Detroit or Detroit news. She was talking about the offense and she just kind of mentioned, you know, Granted, I, I could be paraphrasing here, but you know, how do you feel like this offense is doing? Yeah, obviously, it's not going as well as it should. Blah blah blah. And he said something about how the offense is starting to hit its stride. Well, obviously, that quote is not going to play well to the Michigan fans because anybody who watches this game and says, "How could this offense be hitting its stride?" Uh, that doesn't even make sense. Like, is he watching a different game? Like uh, that. You know, how could he say something like that? And I think that speaks to, you know, number one, I mean, obviously a coach isn't going to go up there, even if he doesn't feel confident about the way things are going or or how things are. Um, I don't expect, you know, any, especially in college, a coach to, you know, go up there and and say negative things about his team or about his quarterback or offensive coordinator or any other, you know, coaches. But it does seems strange to me that he would say something like that where maybe instead of that, you know, you would maybe expect him to say something like, you know, yeah, we, we recognize that there are issues and we're working on it, that kind of thing. But to say, you know, to kind of flip it and come back and say something like, you know, we're really hitting our stride. I think that is such an interesting thing to say. And, you know, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know exactly what's going on in his head, but um, I do think that something sort of shifted with Jim Harbaugh. I think, and for me, I feel like it happened after the 2016 season. Uh, he just seemed way more animated on the sidelines. I mean, I remember being down in Columbus for that game. He got a, a, a penalty called on him for uh, complaining to the refs and throwing things and we haven't really seen him acting like that on the sidelines ever since then. And and maybe he's been trying to tone it down. I don't know. But ever since that season, and I feel like, you know, 2017 was a little bit of a struggle. Things got better last year. And then this year has been kind of a struggle again. He's been a tough guy to read. 
and especially for somebody, you know, like you or me who, you know, we go to these press conferences and just kind of, you know, be in the room with him while he's talking. Um, I just, I, I find it really, really interesting to kind of just study his body language and the way he talks and the way that he uh, engages with media. Um, he doesn't necessarily seem like a guy who, dare I say, really enjoys what he's doing right now. Um, and maybe it's just the part of it that he doesn't enjoy is talking to the media. That could be very well it. I'm sure he's, you know, obviously still enjoys coaching else. He wouldn't be doing it, but I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know what his plan is for long term. I don't think um, anybody does uh, <laughs> for me to speculate whether he's going to, you know, ride it out of Michigan or, or try to maybe test the water somewhere else. Who knows? I wouldn't be surprised either way. Um, but I do think, yeah, there's, there's definitely something has changed with him in the last couple of years. And I don't know what it is and I don't know if it's for the better or not, but, um, I do sense it. I think a lot of people sense it and, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know which way it's going to go. So it's interesting because, you know, I, I think you bring up a good point that, you know, if people think that just because we sit in the same room with them on occasion and, you know, occasionally ask him a question that we can read him better than the average fan. I'm not sure that's the case. Right. Right. Um, you know, and I'll tell you, you know, a, a prime example of that is last year after the peach bowl, he came to the post game press conference and you could tell he was, he was genuinely upset. I would use a stronger word, but he was he was gen he he was very obviously unhappy. Yeah. And I think when you cover him, you know that you're just not going to get anything, right? So and, and and speaking of the of my podcast, I mean I have that a podcast of that press conference, right? You can go back and find mm -hmm. it. But it literally was like five minutes long. And the uh the Peach Bowl media person was was well, come on, guys, ask questions. The coach is here. And we're all just sitting there going, we're not going to ask a question because there's no point, right? I mean, you know he's he's not going to give you anything. And I think that's the thing that, you know, occasionally, um, you know, and, and I'll give you an example. You know, you, I always look at how long the press conferences are, the Monday press conferences, right? Mm -hmm. And he'll come out and go eight minutes. And then this last week, and, and I'll tell you um, – I was concerned Wisconsin week because he came out and he was really terse. Okay. He just, he had mm -hmm. nothing. He was not chatty. Right. Well, you know, Iowa week, he comes out and gives a 25 minute press conference. And, and it's funny because you can see him when he, when he, he enjoys a question, right? You can see there, there are times that I think he does enjoy it, but there are other times he just doesn't have time for it. So, right. What I'm wondering is, okay, so obviously there's a lot of football to play. We have one bad loss, you know, in the loss column this year, you know, that Wisconsin loss. Now, theoretically, if everything plays out right, Michigan may get a chance to avenge that, right? They may get another shot in the Big Ten championship game. Lots of things need to happen for that to, for that to occur. But we don't know what's going to happen, right? So we might get to the end of this year, and that Wisconsin loss is the only loss. We might get to the end of the year, and it may be a disaster, okay? Mm 
So my question is, when Harbaugh came here five years ago, we were wondering if we were going to be able to keep him for five years. So what I hope is that, in my opinion, nobody is going to fire Jim Harbaugh, okay? Um, Jim Harbaugh is, is here as long as he wants to be, barring some, you know, cataclysmic scandal, right? So the question is, is he going to stay here long enough to get it right? And I hope that's the case because when I look at a coach in year five, I look at a guy who's been paid very well. His assistants have been paid very well. He has gotten everything he's asked for. He has spring trips all over the world to take his players. He has a new fitness center, you know, adjacent to the football building. I mean, the, the checkbook has been open. And I think it's fair for fans to wonder when we're going to see results. And by results, we mean Big Ten championships, beating Ohio State, college football playoff berths. So I hope that, you know, you always look at Jim Harbaugh and you wonder what's going on in his head. I hope that he's here for the long haul to fix this because I can't imagine what's going to happen if he ditches in a year or two. Um, you know, I keep coming back to, gosh, if Jim Harbaugh can't win here, okay, with uh, the support he has in the alumni base, with his NFL track record, man, I can't imagine uh, what that next coaching search would look like. So, you know, right. prior to this season, Brad, uh, well, during the season, I said, listen, I go, I'm not as, as foolish to think we don't have problems. I kind of view this as, you know, you turn the key to the car and all the warning lights on my on the dashboard turn on, and then you hope a second later they turn off. At this point, I got a big warning light on the offense, and I'm not sure if tapping it is going to make it go away. Uh, you know, after after watching, you know, and, and that's the weird thing about Iowa is, so at the end of the first quarter, Michigan scores 10 points. No matter how they got them, 10 points. And I'm thinking, okay, we have some residual uh you know, mojo from the previous game. Right. And mm-hmm. then they just disappeared. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'll tell you what, it's entertaining. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I wish it was entertaining in a more positive way, but it's definitely, oh, for sure. it definitely has my attention. I just, uh, I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah. I mean, I thought when they jumped out to, you know, 10 point lead, I thought, and that was like halfway through the first quarter. I mean, there was still about eight minutes left when Michigan had 10 points. And I was thinking, oh, well, geez, look at this. This is like, you know, kind of reminded me of like the Nebraska game last year or, you know, the Penn State or Wisconsin games. It was like, okay, Michigan's going to roll here. And they seem to be sort of primed for, you know, putting their foot on the gas and, and just going. And then. You know, what I thought was really interesting, and it seemed like the turning point of the game for me, and I, I went back and watched um, I watched about the first quarter today. I didn't watch much, uh, uh, re-watched uh, much else, but um, so we scored the touchdown. We got up uh, 10 to nothing, and then our, our next offensive series, I think what happened is we fumbled, on, I think it was the punt return, and then we fumbled the next running play. We got both of those back. And then the play after that was the Shea Patterson interception. And nothing really seemed to go right after that. 
And so I would keep thinking, like, you know, in the first game, you know, we had all those turnovers and just nothing seemed to be right. We did no momentum. And then Army game, it kind of seemed like the same thing. Like, an early turnover really killed and stifled this offense. And then it kind of happened again in the Iowa game. Like, things were things were moving. You know, Shea had that long pass to Nico Collins for 51 yards. It was like, okay, here we go. And then he threw an interception. And it was just like all the momentum completely shifted away and he never got it back. And it was just like, as, you know, I don't know if it's a trend, but that, you know, kind of seems to be the common thread, um, you know, through the first, you know, three wins that Michigan has had that have been sort of less than satisfying. <laughs> and I think, yeah, the, the turnovers, I don't know what it is. It's like a mental thing with this team. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, they, they can't seem to get out of their own way sometimes. But, um, and then another thing too, and I just wanted to go back and kind of, you touched on this a second ago, but um, I do think that, you know, I am definitely against, if, you know, Michigan getting rid of Jim Harbaugh if they, you know, for whatever reason, I, I don't think that they ever would, um, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm totally against doing another coaching search because I think it, I think it would be not as successful as people would like it to be. Um, and that comes down to what I wrote about in the article that you were mentioning is the reason we haven't really been able to find a good coach for this team is because Michigan doesn't really seem to have an identity that you can hire a coach for. Um, usually when we bring in a new coach, he ends up having to sort of rebuild everything or redo everything from what the guy did before him. And so I feel like if, you know, if, you know, barring anything happening, you know, Jim Harbaugh leaving or whatever, if they did decide to fire him, I don't even know who you could get who would be able to have, you know, all the support and the things that you were mentioning from, you know, the alumni, the fan base, the university, the athletic department, um, I just don't think there's a, a coach out there who's going to get that kind of support and be able to do the things that he's able to do, like Jim Harbaugh is. So I think for better or worse, I mean, it's kind of like as long as he wants to stay, I think he'll be able to. And, you know, you just sort of hope that he can figure it out. Um, I think that's probably the better option besides, you know, doing another coaching search and going through that whole mess again. I don't think it's worth it. Um, I think you'll get there faster if you just, kind of give Jim Harbaugh the keys to the to the car and tell him, you know, everybody to get out of the way and just let him figure it out. Um, you know, it's probably not the best thing that everyone wants to hear, but uh, I do think it's the uh, what Michigan should focus on doing right now, and I think that they will. Um, I don't think, you know, he'll probably ever be in jeopardy of losing his job unless the wheels really fell off the wagon. But, um, you know, I think for, for better or worse, it's, sort of just the way it's going to be and hopefully um, can sort of figure it out and get that identity and, and make it work. Well, Brad, I, I went back and I watched the broadcast because I watched the game live and I, you know, I tweet about it. And then I always like to go back and, and watch the broadcast because I kind of feel like I have to integrate what I see with what the people on TV see, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Um, what I've learned is you have a different perception of the game watching it live, and and then 
there is a a lot of spin given by the commentators that um, makes its way into the psyche of people watching, right? And and I don't always agree with the commentators. Um, generally, I like to watch the game with the commentators off, so I can just watch mm-hmm. the game. But so I, I watched the first quarter, which was the highlight for the Michigan offense, and then you know a, a few minutes into the second quarter. Iowa scores and really that was it for the scoring and one thing that I I had to chuckle at one of the commentators said well you know Kirk Ferentz was really concerned about Michigan's how his uh, defensive backs matched up against Michigan's wide receivers and I'm thinking yeah, yeah we, we we were wondering how that was going to go too and and I just I kind of <laughs> laughed that that was one thing that I think we expected to see more and, uh, you know, it is what it is. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of season left and, uh, you know, Brad, I want to thank you for your time today. I thought it was really good stuff. And again, I, I really like that article. Um, I really encourage, uh, everybody to go to Maize and Blue Nation and, uh, check out Brad's article, the fall and, uh, his Stato feature every week. It's really good stuff. So that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with special guest Brad Muckthaler. And uh, Go Blue! Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue!